Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in praising our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good, good to be with you. Uh, it's been a long time. In fact, I think it's been about a month since I've been here at Converge, just uh, various places. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kara and I went up to the UP to celebrate our 20th anniversary, and uh, we survived that. Um, we had a blast. It was great. We went and checked out pictured rocks and just enjoyed uh, nature and, uh, and one another. And then uh, we tur- I turned around and went to um, the youth retreat uh, that Joe was sharing about and went to Philly. And boy, was that an experience. And uh, it was a joy to be there uh, and to be there with the students and see how the Lord worked through the students um, I, again, I'm going to repeat this. Joe already shared it, but I would encourage you to come August 15th um, and check out uh, the presentation that the youth are going to, to give and to share their testimonies of what God has done. We are the church, and our students will someday be the leaders of the church. And so as we gather together and to hear about what the Lord has done through them and in them and, and how he has worked uh, through them to encourage and to share the gospel with others, this is to encourage us because someday the church will be in their hands. And so I just encourage you, come, encourage them uh, and support them on August 15th. Now this morning we are continuing on in our Daniel series, and we are now in chapter 2, and before I read this chapter, it is a long chapter, but I encourage you, make sure you open your Bibles, or if you have your notes, to open up the notes. Um, When I do read through it, I'm going to try to read through it slowly, and, and kind of point some things out as we read through it. Take, you know, mark some things, underline some things up for us later within the sermon, Before we read, let me give you a little review. Remember that the book of Daniel, it takes place during the time of the Babylonian captivity. And as a young boy, Daniel was taken into captive where he was raised up to serve the king and his court. And this is not an accident. This situation that Daniel finds himself in is not outside God's sovereign plan. And we read this in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It's right there before us. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord, it was the Lord that gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. You see, this was God's judgment upon his people. 
We know that throughout the time of the kings, there were many occasions where the king and the people fell into idol worship and rejected the laws of God. Um, Leo this morning was talking about the difference between those who are good and those who are lost. And he kind of gave this timeline or this, this line where those who were walking in obedience were considered good and those who were walking outside of obedience to God's laws was considered lost. And there were times throughout the kings where the people were definitely lost. They forgot about God and his ways and they started worshiping idols. And so there was judgment because of it. There was punishment and this is exactly what we see in the time of Daniel. Sinclair Ferguson, a preacher and commentator, states it this way. The key to understanding the rise and fall of empires and emperors is not military or financial, but rather moral and spiritual. Moral and spiritual. And so when we look through history, whether it's the Old Testament or when we crack open our old uh, history books that, that we have from grade school, you will see that it's not just about these powers and politics and financial things that are taking place that cause governments to rise and fall. Actually, behind the scenes, it's moral and spiritual. And this is what transpires during the life of Daniel. Pastor Jeff pointed this out two weeks ago, that Daniel... In his lifetime, he lived through several kings. It started with Jehoiakim, and then Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and then his son Belshazzar, and then the Medes come in and take over, and this included Darius. He becomes king, and then Cyrus. So five different kings, three different kingdoms in the lifetime of Daniel, and Daniel, you could basically summarize Daniel's, Daniel's life experience as one of instability, right? Who's coming next? What's the government going to be like? What are the changes that are going to happen? And when is my life going to be in danger again? So here's the thing, though. Even though Daniel faces all sorts of turmoil and instability, he was brought up knowing the one and true God. His parents taught him who God is. He was taught the law and understood the character, character of God, and this is what we are going to see throughout the book of Daniel. And this is what we've been repeating for the past two weeks. I know Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rob shared this overarching idea of Daniel, and this is what it is that as kingdoms rise and fall, the call is for us to remain faithful to the king who rules over all. As kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the king who rules over all. And Daniel under, understood that the Lord was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he became a great example of one who remains faithful even in the midst of challenges and turmoil and instability. Last week, we saw a perfect example of that in chapter 1. We see Daniel remain faithful to the Lord when he is determined to hold to the dietary laws of God. 
We see these dietary laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It's this uh, to to, um, abstain from unclean animals. And Daniel approached his overseer, and he set up a test for him. He said, listen, uh, give us vegetables for the next 10 days and, see, and compare us with the others, the other youth. And, and, and if we look better, if we look healthier, then you will know that this is a good thing and, and we know what takes place, right? They test for 10 days and they were healthier. And so those who were overseeing Daniel and these youth, they transitioned, they stopped giving food from the king's table and started giving them vegetables. And this shows us the kind of character that Daniel had. He was not one to be outright rebellious or aggressive towards his captives. What we see in chapter 1 is that he honored the authority over him while at the same time remaining faithful to God. It's a very interesting interaction that he has, right? He wants to be faithful to the Lord, and there's, a different, he, there's various ways that he could do that. He can shake the fist at the authority that's over him and rebel and refuse to eat. But instead, he went a different direction. He trusted in the Lord. He was honoring to those who were authority over him while still remaining faithful to his God. I think that is a wonderful example for us today. And this brings us to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we will again see Daniel faced with a considerable challenge. And it's out of this challenge that God is going to reveal himself in a significant way, both to Daniel and to the king, and to the king who's Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to reveal himself in a particular way to both Daniel and to the king that is over Daniel and over Babylon. So this is what he's going to reveal. He's going to reveal two attributes. Number one, he's going to show that he is all-knowing, that God is all-knowing. Now, the theological term I want to give you is that he's omniscient. So he's showing his omniscience in this chapter, that he is all-knowing. Number two, that God is all-powerful. And the theological term there is omnipotence, that God is omnipotent. He is, uh, has power over all or sovereign over all things. And this kind of plays out when we read through this passage. We're going we're gonna to see this take place. And, uh, and this is how, basically, if you just put it in a sentence, this is what we're going to see in this chapter that God is the great revealer of mysteries. See, he's all-knowing. Since he's all-knowing, he is the great revealer of mysteries and the one true sovereign king, that he is all-powerful and all-sovereign over all things, even kings. So this morning, not only will we see Daniel acknowledge this truth, But in the end, King Nebuchadnezzar will acknowledge it as well. You see, I think that's where the miracle comes in. That's where we'll see that God, it doesn't matter who you are or how far off you are or how lost you are, God can grab a hold of anyone. 
And so if, if anything, this verse, if you want to write down or highlight or remember any verse in chapter 2, this is the verse, because I think this is where we see that God can do amazing things. This is Daniel chapter 2, verse 30, 47. Daniel chapter 2, verse 47. The king answered and said to Daniel, this is, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's response after this, this whole situation kind of culminates and, and is summarized. He says, Truly your God is the God of gods and Lord of kings. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent, and he's the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. So we see here that, we will see that Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges these truths as well. And so with that, let me read this passage to you. Again, it's pretty long, so please bear with me, and then after I read it, we'll pray together. This is Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to the king to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered, and he said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me, and this is you need to underline or just remember that phrase, make known. Okay. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream, here we see it again, make it known to me. There is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king again and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet these ki the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And here's the other phrase that we need to remember. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied, with prudence and discretion, 
to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard. He said, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went and requested the king to appoint, a, to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To him belong wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things, and he knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Antioch, or Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and he said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. So what I'm going to do is, because this is so much, I'm going to skip through this. But he's going to give the king the interpretation of this dream, or he's going to tell the king the dream, and then he's going to give an interpretation of the dream. So we're going to skip through some things, just because this has taken a very long time. So he shares it. It's about the future it's about the future kingdoms that are about to take place. And just to summarize, basically what he says is, your kingdom, God is going to take away, and there'll be another kingdom, and another kingdom. And then in the end, there's going to be an eternal kingdom that will envelop or overtake all kingdoms. So he gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream. He tells him what the dream is, and then he interprets the dream. And then we're going to jump to... Verse 46, can you take us there, Dad? Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, and he paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon 
and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. All right, with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thank you. We, we thank you because you are the revealer of your word, who you are. And so, Lord, I ask that even now when we walk through this chapter, that you would reveal, reveal to us how great you are and that it would be transformative in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to break this uh, passage or this chapter down into four different scenes. And so the first scene is that God gives Nebuchadnezzar a, a troubling dream. He gives Nebuchadnezzar a troubling dream. And this, it's so disturbing that, one, it, makes him, it wakes him up in the middle of the night, and two, he can't get to sleep. Okay, so I don't know if you've experienced disturbing dreams before that startle you in the middle of the night and how they're so disturbing that you may not get back to sleep. But this is what Nebuchadnezzar is experiencing. And he realizes that this, it was so disturbing that this was not no normal bad dream. This was a vision. This was divinely given to him. And therefore, it has a meaning. Now, the troubling thing for Nebuchadnezzar is he doesn't know the meaning behind the dream. And, and it was so troubling, and it was so concerning, that when he brings in the magicians and the enchanters, he wants to make sure that he gets the right interpretation. And so he kind of gives these enchanters and magicians a test. He goes, since this is a divine dream, divinely given, I must have a divinely interpretation. And the only way that I know that it has come from the gods is that they tell me the dream and not just the interpretation. You see, Nebuchadnezzar didn't want people coming alongside of him and telling him what he wanted to hear, right? He didn't want someone to tickle his ears and be like, hey, no problem, Nebuchadnezzar. We can interpret this be at ease, here's the interpretation. No, he wanted the truth. He wanted the truth. And the truth can only come divinely. And so he sets up this test. He sets up the test. But here's the thing. Not only does the king demand this from his experts, but he raises the stakes, doesn't he? He says, you know what, if you can't do this for me, and, you know, he kind of lights a fire underneath them, right, <laughs> by raising the stakes. Not only, uh, you know, if you can't do this, this is what's going to happen. Uh, your life is at stake. I'm going to take your life. And not only that, I'm going to take the lives of your family. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine being in the court and, and being one of these magicians or wise men or enchanters and come up and... And he makes, you know, about this dream and, hey, no problem. Just tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. No, 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 no. You must tell me the dream. And if you don't, your life is forfeit. It's like, ooh, whoa. Not only that, but your family's lives 
are forfeit. Okay, now you start sweating. Now you start shaking. This, he is not messing around. And this becomes a very serious thing. Basically, it got real. It got real very quickly. Could you imagine being in that situation? And so the wise men, they knew they were doomed because they knew they were unable to fulfill the king's request. They knew they were in trouble. They knew they were doomed. And this is what they say. Daniel chapter 2, verse 11. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Saying what you're asking is absolutely impossible. And let me give you the reason why. Because only the gods can, only the gods know this, and they, they do not interact with us in that way. They do not dwell with flesh. The gods are distant. And, and yes, they do give dreams, but it takes, takes us to interpret them. And what you're asking, it cannot be done. God, the gods are too distant. Now, we all know that they are mistaken. They are mistaken on so many levels when you look at the statement. One, they do not realize that there is one true God and that all others, all these other supposed gods are nothing but man-made idols. Acts chapter 6. 17 verse 29 says this, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and imagination of man. That's not who God is. That's how these small, uh, small g gods are. They are but idols created by man for the purposes of men. We create them in our own image in order for us to use them how we want them to be used. So the divine experts are wrong on that account, and they're also wrong because they do not realize that the one true God does dwell among flesh. The one true God does dwell among flesh. In the Old Testament, his presence dwelt among his people both in the tabernacle and in the temple, right? The, the most holy of holies. His presence resided there, and the people would come and engaged with the Lord there. And we know in the two, New Testament, in the New Testament, God dwelt in the flesh among his people through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the point is, is that the one true God does dwell among his people. He desires a relationship and intimacy with his creation. And he is not a God that is far off, but a God that draws near. You see, there's this this. Uh, uh, cavern or um, this line between us and God. And there is no way, because he is the great creator, he is the one that is 
infinite and we are finite, there is no way for us to cross that line, to cross that chasm. He has to come to us. And this is exactly what he does. He does it through the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament. He does it through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And even today he does it through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have been given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. For what purpose? For what purpose? That we might, what? Understand the things freely given to us by God. What was once mystery, what was once mystery, through the Holy Spirit, God has revealed to us. He is the great revealer of mysteries. And so the stage is set. The conflict is clear. The king gives this demand, and it is impossible to fulfill. And that is where we see God intervene through Daniel. So here's the second scene, that God intervenes. He intervenes through Daniel. Continuing on in the story, the king becomes furious because he's not getting what he wants. He sends the king's guard to kill all the wise men in the land. And when they approach Daniel, he responds with wisdom. And what do I mean by that? This is really important. Daniel's response, okay, when, when we, we're going to look at these passages and see his response, his response is an expression of his faithfulness to the Lord. His response is an expression of his faithfulness to the Lord especially in knowing that it is the Lord who is the revealer of mysteries and the one true sovereign king. You see, Daniel knows this, not just in his head, but in his heart, and he expresses it through faith in his actions. And we're going to see this in his response. When, when there is trouble right in front of him, when there's turmoil, there's a man there to kill him. And we're going to see this wise and godly response that is out of faith of who God is. So let's look at this. This is portrayed in several ways in verses 14 through 19. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you just the highlights. We're not going to read through the passages, but I'm going to give you a summary of these verses, and we're going to talk about them. So verse 14, Daniel responds with prudence and discretion. That's the first thing that we see. When they come, he sa- it says that he responded with prudence and discretion. And prudence is kind of like someone being cautious or careful. So he knows that his life is in danger. And it's very important how he responds. So he comes with caution. And number two, with discretion. Basically meaning that he's going to avoid offending. Okay? He's... he's He's not going to come out and, and um, yell and be aggressive and how dare you. No, he's going he's gonna to come in a wise and calm way. And so he starts by asking a question. Why is the king so urgent in this? Why This is so troubling that he needs to act now? Why is he so urgent? And so 
the king's guard shares the story with them. So Daniel gathers this information. He gets the full story before he acts. I think that's wise. He says, whoa, whoa, let's slow down a little bit. Let's get an understanding of what's going on here. After that, verse 15, when he gets the full story, Daniel approaches the king and he, and he requests for more time. He says, listen, king, I know this is what you requested. Give us time and I'll give you an answer. I'll come back with an answer. So Daniel goes to the source. He goes to the king himself and he requests this time. He slows things down. And then what does Daniel do? Well, verse 17 and 18 says that Daniel confides in his friends. So he goes straight to his friends and he says, listen, we need to be praying about this. He says that he wants them to seek God's mercy. Go to the Lord, seek his mercy. God can reveal this to us. Let us pray that he will do that. And so those are the three things that Daniel does. He doesn't start flipping out. He doesn't flee. He doesn't take up arms. He goes and he approaches with wisdom, slows things down, and gives time to do what? To go to the Lord. Give us at least time to pray about this and go to the Lord. I think this is a wonderful example of Daniel's faithfulness in knowing who God is and what God can do. So after God reveals the dream to Daniel, here's the, the next response. Daniel gives God all the praise. This is in verse 19. Daniel gives praise to the Lord. Now, if you gave me, if God, if I was in Daniel's situation and he gave me the answer, uh, I wouldn't necessarily take time to give praise. I would be sprinting to the king. I know the answer. And I, look at me. I know the answer. And I would be throwing it out there as fast as I could. Why? Because my life is at stake and many other people's lives are at stake. But this is not what Daniel does. What Daniel does first is to give praise to God. And I want to work through this here quickly. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Let's look at this closely. And I want to show you, remember these two attributes that we're looking at throughout this chapter? We're going to see them time and time again. So this is Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong? What belongs to God? Wisdom and might. Wisdom and might. Knowledge and power belong to God. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. That is revealing his power over all things, even kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. So these are expressions of God being the great revealer of mysteries. 
And then he says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. So who does, uh, what belongs to God? Wisdom and might. And what does he give? Wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we asked of you. This is what Nebuchadnezzar wanted, right? Make known to me, reveal to me this dream and its interpretation. Who can give it? No one but God. Daniel acknowledges this. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel knew that the Lord is all-knowing and all-powerful. Therefore, he can reveal this mystery concerning the king's dream. And this is what he acknowledges in this song. This is what he's acknowledging. God is the great revealer of mysteries, and he is sovereign over all creation. So if we know that God is wise and mighty, that he is all-knowing and all-powerful, how then should we respond in times of trouble and turmoil? How do we respond? Daniel is a great example of what it looks like to have faith in God and respond in such a way. So let me ask you, in our lives today, when we see uh, turmoil around us and, and things look unstable, how do we respond? Whether it's out there in the world when we turn on the news or look at social media or in our everyday lives when we come to work or go home and we interact with our friends and our family and our co-workers. There is chaos all around us, friends, not just nationally or internationally, but in our own individual lives that make us flustered and we don't know what to do. At those moments, do we know that God is overall and the great revealer of mysteries? All right, now number scene three. Daniel reveals the dream and its meaning. Daniel reveals the dream and its meaning. So after Daniel gives praise to the Lord, he rushes to the king to tell him the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar asks him, can you tell me this dream? This is Daniel's response. This is Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 through 28. He says, No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You see, Daniel could easily have taken all the credit and used his newfound status for personal gain. But instead, Daniel responds humbly and points to the Lord. Hey, this is not of me. I am not the one who is great. It is the Lord. And it is the Lord who has revealed this, not only to me, but to you, O king. So Daniel could have easily responded in a way that lifted him up. Instead, he, he raises up the Lord. And then he tells Nebuchadnezzar this dream. And so, uh, Thad, if you could just put up that picture. We're going to go through this really quick. This is the image of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's this statue-like image. And the head is made of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the middle area and the thighs of a is uh, bronze, the legs are iron, and then the feet of iron and clay. And all of a sudden what takes place is this stone comes in 
and it destroys this image. It knocks it down. It turns it to dust, and this rock becomes a huge mountain. It grows into this giant mountain. And so Daniel interprets this dream, and he says, listen, uh, your kingdom and you as a king, you're the head. You're the one made of gold. You, you uh, have this very powerful kingdom, and you're very powerful. And then there'll be some other kingdoms that come, and they won't be as great as you. But in the end, it'll all be destroyed. Now, we can get into the details and say, okay, so what are these kingdoms? What are these kingdoms that he's referring to there? And I don't want to necessarily get into that now because I want to give you the overall picture. We can get lost in the details and try to figure out, okay, is this talking about um, Babylon and, and the Romans and, and all these other kingdoms? What is it really talking about here? But we need to get to the overall understanding of this passage of what God is trying to point out here in revealing this to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what it is. And it's something, it, this dream shows what Daniel already knows and what is being expressed throughout this whole entire book. Okay? And this is what it is. God is sovereign over all kingdoms, and as they rise and fall, his kingdom will reign forever. So this stone that comes in and knocks down all these kingdoms, that is the kingdom of God. And it grows into a mountain. Daniel says this in chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Friends, we know about this eternal kingdom. We know it from the Gospels. We know it, Jesus shares it when he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he goes throughout his ministry preaching this good news that the kingdom is near. And then this kingdom gets established when Jesus goes to the cross and dies a sinner's death and three days later is raised from the grave. The kingdom becomes revealed at that moment. And it's an eternal kingdom. And it's not just, uh, it's, it's not a physical kingdom at this point. It's not a physical kingdom where, uh, where we go to the location. Actually, the kingdom dwells within us. It's where the Spirit resides. And we already t just talked about this earlier, that the Spirit resides in His people. In His people. And here's the thing. Jesus ushered in this kingdom on the cross with those who put their faith in him. See, they will be saved from their sins and considered citizens in his eternal kingdom and also receive an inheritance in that kingdom. That is the gospel. And that's what we read in the, in the four gospels and that's what we read in the New Testament the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, not only does God reveal the rise and fall of future kingdoms, he also foreshadows the gospel here. That's what's exactly going on. He's talking about the rise and fall of these kingdoms, but he's also foreshadowing God's 
kingdom through Jesus Christ and the gospel. So let me, let me finish with this last scene. Scene four, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges God for who he is. After Daniel reveals all this, we saw this at the beginning. Let me show it to you again. Daniel 2, verse 47. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of, Lord, Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. God changes the perception of Nebuchadnezzar. He reveals himself to him in such a way that Nebuchadnezzar is forced, in some sense, to acknowledge who God truly is. So let me ask you this as we close. Who do we understand God to be? Who do we understand God to be? Do we have misperceptions of who God is, like these enchanters and magicians? Is he like a God like any other God? Or is he the one true God that we can put our faith in and trust in as we go through times of crisis and struggles? And when we go through those struggles, how do we then respond? What does that tell you what you trust in and how you respond. And another question, how can you live out the truth that God is king over all? It's another way of saying it. And how can you live it out in the knowledge of this great mystery of Jesus Christ? That he has saved us from our sins. How do we respond in that way as we go through trials? With that, let's pray. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.